I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. Michael Beller here with you to take you through our East Region preview for the 2022 NCAA Tournament. Baylor the one, Kentucky the two, Purdue the three, UCLA the four in this region. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's not waste any more time joining me to break down the East Region. Eamon Brennan, National College Basketball Reporter at The Athletic. Eamon, how you doing? Good man, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, this uh, this is a region that, as I said before we got going, uh, this this one was felt like a gut punch when it was getting revealed because uh, Murray State-San Fran is the 7-10 matchup. Just absolutely killing me. Want to pick both of those teams uh, before the tournament to go to the Sweet 16, and, and now they face each other in the first round, and the winner has to almost certainly play Kentucky. In the second round, you've got a really interesting uh, 3-6 or 3-11 matchup, as the case may be, with Purdue getting the Texas-Virginia uh, Tech winner. At the top, Baylor could face a very tough 8-9 matchup with North Carolina and Marquette. It's it's a fun region, certainly. I actually think UCLA has the uh, the, the clearest path. But that, uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself, let's talk about these top seeds. Let's look at Baylor. Let's look at Kentucky. How do you see these two teams and the paths that they are going to have to navigate to potentially face each other in the Elite Eight? Yeah, I think, you know, Baylor's path is is not too bad. Um, you know, we we you want to look at sort of a contrast with Gonzaga and some of the teams Gonzaga might have to play uh, a Memphis team potentially in the second round that's been playing like a top five, top ten team on the metrics for the past month, month and a half. Um, Baylor doesn't really have anything like that. Carolina's mm-hmm. been playing better. Marquette has had a nice year, uh, a surprisingly good year. I think they had a hot a hot spell in the middle of the season. You know, they beat Villanova twice and uh, won like six or seven games in a row and really sort of cemented themselves as a as a top, you know, a team that's going to go to the tournament for sure. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of fallen apart a little bit since. Not bad, but not great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I I don't think either of those two teams is a huge concern for Baylor. I'm also not as high on Baylor as I was last year. Yeah. Uh, they've been banged up all year. They haven't really separated in the same way. Still a very very good team, but it's not like a oh this team's definitely going on a deep tournament run the way you felt about them last year. I think St. Mary's is an interesting um, team, underrated as a five seed. You know, in terms of what how good they are just on the floor, uh, could easily beat UCLA and could give Baylor real issues with their defense and in a slow sort of 60 possession grinder of a game uh, where both teams guard really well. And it comes down to a few buckets here and there. I can totally picture that with St. Mary's. Yeah, that could be a hell of a matchup, assuming that UCLA and St. Mary's both get through their first-round matchups. UCLA's got Akron. St. Mary's will have the first four winner of Wyoming and Indiana. Assuming those two teams get through that, I think we're looking at St. Mary's UCLA as one of the best second-round games on the docket. Uh, in the bottom half of the bracket, you're going to have 
you know, I think a couple of uh, double-digit seeds that draw people's eye against San Francisco. They've been a quality team all year. Murray State, same goes for them. It does stink that these two teams have to face each other in the first round. And then Virginia Tech, uh, obviously with what they just did in the ACC tournament, uh, even a casual fan who has just parachuted into college basketball over the last few weeks might have Virginia Tech on the brain. They look great in running through the ACC tournament. You know, absolutely blew the doors off of Duke in that ACC tournament championship game. And as I look up and down at this bracket, they feel like the most dangerous double-digit seed to me. I think they're the best team. I think San Francisco's right there with them. You're splitting hairs when you're talking about which one of those is better. You put those teams on the floor 10 times, I think they maybe go 5-5 five and five against one another. I do think that they're the two best double-digit seeds in this region, which 10-11 and 11, maybe not a huge surprise. But I don't necessarily see a huge challenge coming from the 12, 13, and 14 in this region either. So Virginia Tech is the double-digit seed that stands out to me. They're going to have their hands full with Texas's defense in the first round. If they can get by that game, they maybe get a, a Purdue team that has been very up and down this season. A team that seems to have gotten better defensively as the year has gone on, but still not a team that uh, is going to really scare you on the offensive end, especially when you can be as efficient as Virginia Tech has shown us they could be. They're the double digit. If you tell me there's a double digit seed in the in the even just the Sweet 16 in this region, I'm picking Virginia Tech. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think they're you know just as a sort of um, sort of this is a very early like let's look at the bracket and figure out which teams are underseeded relative to their sort of Kempom ranks mm-hmm. and other metrics ranks. I mean, Virginia Tech is now 23rd at Kempom. They're an 11 seed. Like that's. I don't think you have a team that's more underseeded relative to their Ken Palm numbers that I kind of believe in and have watched play and, and become this good. Um, the possible exception of Houston, which is a five seed <laughs> yeah. and is number four, four in Ken Palm and has been trouncing people all year and just kind of quietly doing it because their schedule wasn't very good. Uh, and the American is the American mm-hmm. and there's two other decent teams in it. Um, so, yeah, I think Virginia Tech is, is the obvious pick. Uh, that probably means they'll lose to Texas by 10. Right. But score like 51 then, points. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, people people could see it in the ACC tournament. And, and look, I mean, Virginia Tech nearly lost to, what was it, Boston College or Clemson in the first, I think it was Clemson in the first round, yeah. uh, their first game of the ACC tournament. Yeah, needed a buzzer beater. A you see that a lot. You saw it with UCLA last year in the tournament where they needed a overtime to get past Michigan State and then went on a run to the Final Four. You know, I think... Indiana actually has the capability to make a, a bit of a run uh, if they get out of the first four as well. I think it'll be tricky. That Wyoming team is tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Mary's is good. But I think Indiana, if you saw them at the Big Ten tournament, uh, on a neutral floor, if they can maintain that kind of balance with their offense, if Xavier Johnson's playing aggressively but not turning the ball over and they're getting a few threes here and there, um, you know, that's that's the best defensive team in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And they could, they could win a grinder game against St. Mary's and, and kind of throw the bracket um, into a mess where now UCLA probably fancies their chances against get, getting past um, Indiana in a way they didn't against St. Mary's, and maybe that sets up a Baylor-UCLA. You know, th- Indiana could, could cause a little bit of havoc in this bracket as well, at least for how I'm seeing it, or as I'm looking at it and going, oh, yeah, Virginia Tech's the double-digit seed. St. Mary's is the underseeded five seed. I like those teams. Um, Indiana could screw that up pretty early as a double-digit seed in its own right. Yeah, it's interesting to see uh, that Indiana and Wyoming matchup. For my money, I thought Indiana had, even though they had such an up-and-down regular season, I thought with what they did in the Big Ten conference tournament that maybe they were going to play their way out of the first four. Uh, They end up going up against a a Wyoming team that – 
you know, is a little bit of a standout <clears throat> in terms of the Mountain West, right? They're they're com- they are not comfortable is maybe the wrong word, but they're not going to be they're not unaccustomed to playing against defense first teams like they're going to see in Indiana after what they dealt with in the Mountain West playing. You know, Boise State and, and San Diego State and teams like that. So it's going to be a different level, I think, in what they see in, in, in at least some of Indiana's athletes. Uh, but a style of play that they're not totally unaccustomed to coming out of the Mountain West. It's fun. You know, the, the, the 13-4 matchups are always ones that um, you see a lot of people wanting to get behind in terms of picking upsets, and that's certainly no different this year. South Dakota State, a very popular selection over Providence. Plenty of people getting on the Chattanooga bandwagon against Illinois. Plenty of people getting on the Vermont bandwagon against Arkansas. No one is on the Akron over UCLA. But I haven't seen anyone talk about that as an upset pick. And I think it's fair. I, I think that, again, like, I just, I don't buy a ton of the double-digit seeds in this region. The one that really stands out to me as just an absolute no chance is Yale. And, and you know, it's a third, it's a 3-14 matchup, so it's not like I'm, <coughs> excuse me, splitting the atom here. But Purdue has burned people <laughs> in the past. Purdue has burned plenty of uh, college basketball fans who have trusted them to go deep into the tournament in the past. Uh, and so I could see uh, some people may, maybe being off them this year. This is just this Yale team, uh, not a team I think that can pull off an upset of the magnitude of which uh, would be required for them to beat Purdue. Uh, that uh, Princeton was the best team in the Ivy this year, and if Princeton makes one third of the open threes they get against Yale in the Ivy Championship game, we're talking about Princeton. Maybe as a chic upset pick in the NCAA tournament, they don't. Yale gets in. Good for Yale. I think Purdue beats them by 17 points. So just yeah, it's I think a tough road for a lot of the double digit seeds in this region. Yeah, I think. I think Purdue fans sort of <laughs> all season long, I've been hearing from Purdue fans about how excited they are and how ready they are to be hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't think they have to worry about that being the case against Yale. I think that next game is the one that uh-huh. if I was a Purdue fan, I'd be like, oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> like, it's either a super hot Virginia Tech team or a Texas team that has sort of just quietly become really good. Um uh, neither of these things uh, are sounding great. And Jaden Ivey was apparently banged up during the Big Ten tournament a bit with a tailbone issue that, you know, l- late against Iowa, he's settling for deep threes where he'd normally take guys off the dribble and stuff. So we have to see how that ends up looking because if he's not sprinting at you, um, you know, dunking on you, kicking the ball to the corner, mm-hmm. getting guys open looks, then Purdue's offense is, is a little bit easier to play against. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Would love to see the Purdue-Kentucky matchup as an Elite Eight game because that would be a ton, just a, a ton of fun. And, you know, no one would be surprised. Obviously, we're expecting one of those two teams to ultimately end up in the Elite Eight on the bottom half of this bracket. Do you see there being an Elite Eight sleeper anywhere in this region? Elite Eight sleeper. Hmm. You know, I mean, is it much of a sleeper to say Murray State? Yeah, um, they're a seven. They'd have to get through Kentucky and Purdue to get there. I think that absolutely qualifies. True. You know, if they got past Kentucky, that would be like pretty crazy. I think Kentucky will win that game. Like I have Kentucky in the Final Four, mm-hmm. uh, just to spoil the spoil the end of the podcast. For everybody. <laughs> but um, but uh, I, you know, I I think um, 
Yeah, if they if they qualify, I mean that Murray State team's good, man. They're really good. Yeah. They've been good all year. That there's no, it's no like, oh, they played in a small conference. Blah, blah. No, they're thirty and two. They went unbeaten in conference play. They usually trounced the people they played, and they hung on when they didn't. You know, they had a couple games late in the year um, that were a little dicey. I remember watching the Southeast Missouri State game on ESPN Plus with the local uh, radio commentators. Uh, Murray State won by two points, and I had it on, and my wife was like, what is going on? Why are they <laughs> shouting? I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But, um, you know, they, it, it, that preserved their their unbeaten regular season in conference play and basically guaranteed, if it wasn't guaranteed already, mm-hmm. that they were going to be an at-large team in the tournament. You see them with a seven seed. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it's a tough draw for San Francisco, and it's a tough draw for Kentucky because Kentucky-Murray State second-round game for the people of Kentucky, for yeah. the denizens of Kentucky, <laughs> it's going to be really fun and one that a Kentucky – that's just a lose-lose if you're a Kentucky fan. Like, you win and you're supposed to win. If you don't, Murray State has one on over you forever. So, we'll be, we'll be really interesting to see how it goes. I, I, I was like, – I was so ready to, to be back in Murray State, and I'm with you. I'll spoil the end of it. This for me, too. I'm, I'm on Kentucky into the Final Four also. I just I hate that they have to play these uh, them in the second round. We have uh, another one of the preview podcasts you should definitely be checking out if you haven't already uh, – we're talking to uh, the Bracket Breakers, uh, a couple of guys uh, who have uh, formulated uh, a great uh, model for picking upsets and uh, they've had ridiculous track record of success. So be sure uh, to check out that episode of this as well. But um, you know, one thing that they always look for this is Peter Keating and Jordan Brenner. One thing they always look for in terms of teams that can pull off the upsets is offensive rebounding and forcing, forcing turnovers on defense. When you're a less talented team, you need those extra possessions. And, and Murray State does that. Murray State is a team that can do both of those things. They rank 11th in the country in offensive rebounding rate, according to Ken Palm, 41st in turnover rate in, turn, in terms of turnovers forced. So this is a team that can create those extra possessions that when you're just the less talented team, you certainly need. And so Murray State, I think, an interesting team for sure. We both already said that we've got Kentucky going to the Final Four out of this region who do you have them taken down in the elite eight tough i will i'm gonna say st mary's oh okay Ooh. i think you know i think this, it's one of those years that i have just like it's kind of like my gonzaga pick for the national title it's like st mary's is really good more often than not um or at least when they've entered the ncaa tournament being really good uh, they have not backed it up in the tournament. I just think this is a year with that side of the bracket. Um, you know, if, if, and maybe I'll change my mind on this later because Indiana kind of has me tripped up on this <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Cause I do think Indiana is going to, if Indiana wins, I think Indiana is going to give them a heck of a game. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but if I had to pick another team from the, that side of the bracket, that's not Baylor. And that's kind of what I want to do is pick a team that's not Baylor. Yeah. I feel like St. Mary's is the one you're going to get the most value out of because a lot of people are going to be on UCLA. A lot of people are going to be on Baylor. So, you know, if you're actually picking a bracket in a bracket pool that you're trying to win, maybe try and hit, you know, throw a dart at St. Mary's and and you get a boost in the Elite Eight, whereas a lot of of people are going to be on UCLA. Would love to see that as a uh, second round matchup. You're talking about UCLA ranked eighth on Ken Palm and St. Mary's ranked 16th on Ken Palm. So to get that as a second round match, that's going to feel at least like a Sweet 16 game uh, with those two teams meeting in the second round. I am going to go with the the chalkier path and take UCLA. They're one of just a handful of teams uh, that is ranked in the top 15 on Ken Palm and both adjusted offense and adjusted defense. And it's still feels even like we haven't quite seen them 
at their best. Now, you could say, well, we're into the middle of March. It's tournament time. Maybe this is their best. I mean, they, they sort of mm-hmm. are what they are at this stage. But you watch this team, and it just feels like there's a tiny bit more, a tiny bit more. Where's that team that you know trounced Arizona at home uh, back in January as a night-in and night-out sort of team? You want to see it, certainly. I think if they can put that together over this next month or so, that they can get themselves into the Elite Eight. But ultimately, give me Kentucky as the Final Four entrant from the East region. And that will do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thank you so much for listening. For Eamon Brennan, I am Michael Beller. Good luck, happy betting, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.